With Facebook and Meta announcing new initiatives to integrate generative AI tools into its applications, as well as layoffs within its metaverse teams, it appears as if their interest in the metaverse is fading. Is it time to declare the metaverse dead and buried? We'll explore this topic next on Today in Tech. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Today in Tech. I'm Keith Shaw. Joining me on today's show are two experts on the happenings of the metaverse. Dan Roberts is the editor-in-chief of Decrypt.co and one of the hosts of its GM podcasts. Also joining me is Mike Mason. He's the global head of technology at ThoughtWorks, a Canadian-based technology consultant. C. Welcome, gentlemen. Thanks for having me. You already waved. Yeah, Yeah. all right. (laughs) Uh, Let's just kind of just start us off here. Uh, Dan, is the metaverse dead? Yes or no? It's not dead, but I'm not convinced it was ever fully alive yet. So it can't be dead when it didn't yet get off the ground, I I think. Okay, Uh, Mike, what do you think? Is the metaverse dead, yes Uh, or no? I think it's not dead, but it also depends on what you mean when you say the metaverse, and that's part of the problem here. Yeah, and, and, I, and I, I will agree with that in terms of, I think, the umbrella term as metaverse, which then turned into some sort of big blob of everybody wanted to jump in and use their technology for that. It's, it's you know, that's probably going to go away as we focus on those individual technologies. Uh, Mike, you wrote a blog post that discussed uh, sort of the, the three pillars of what maybe people are considering parts of the metaverse. Do you, you want to go over like those three categories? Because I think that'll help kind of frame what we mean when we talk about metaverse sure thing and i think a lot of people what they mean when they when they talk about metaverse is is they mean kind of the future of the internet and how things are going to evolve and it depends what your vision is for the future of the internet what you think might be in the metaverse so the the first kind of metaverse is is what i'd call zuckerberg's embodied internet so that's the ready player one uh you know everything's 3d high fidelity immersive experiences uh avatars in your living room you know holograms in your living room all that kind of kind of stuff that's the first one uh the next uh possible interpretation is the web 3s ownership economy uh where you've got an internet where anybody can transfer uh things of value to each other uh peer-to-peer transfers kind of crypto uh nfts all of that kind of underlying stuff and the thinking there is that really for people to get involved in these virtual words worlds there needs to be kind of a medium of exchange and a, and a reason to 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 get involved in it mm-hmm. and then the third competing uh, vision for for the metaverse is what I would call the industrial metaverse. So that's kind of commercial applications where you're doing things like digital twins. You're building, you know, uh, a, a virtual representation of your factory, uh, and then working on that in a virtual sense. Of of course, lots of factories are automated these days and run by software. And so, if you're able to simulate all of that, then potentially you can do useful work within, uh, you know, a three D simulated environment, and then transfer that into the real world in that industrial context. Yeah, and and Dan, do you do you agree with sort of those three pillars, or are there some others that that we might add to that definition or well, muddy the so, waters? Yeah, I think I think that's a useful um, you know parsing, but I also think I've heard people make the case that a number of things we already use technically are the metaverse. You know, when you're on social media, you know, you're you're living your life as your online identity. And there's something appealing and and alluring about that much simpler definition. The idea that any place in which you are living as your online identity or persona, which we all have, you know, maybe you think 
I'm exactly the same on Twitter as I am in real life. But even so, especially in the crypto and Web3 world, you know, where, where we exist and what we cover at Decrypt, a lot of people are anons, they're pseudonymous. So any place that you are your online self, even if it's not a visual avatar, the way we think, you know, Ready Player One, do-do-do-do-do-do, technically maybe that's the metaverse. Um, you know, I recently uh, hosted Neil Stevenson uh, on our podcast mm -hmm. who wrote Snow Crash and, and coined the term metaverse. He basically said that as soon as someone talks about either multiple metaverses um, or a metaverse, as if, well, there's this metaverse and then there's this other metaverse, he said that's when he knows that they don't know what they're talking about. Right. And I'm not saying I necessarily agree, but but it would be a lot simpler if we just agree there's one metaverse the way there is one internet. Right, right. We don't talk about int uh, multiple internets or unless we're making a joke calling that the interwebs um we yeah it's right, just one you, internet if you think back to if if you think back to where, how we got the internet it actually was the connection of networks it was the internetwork of smaller networks right and i think that's that whole thing are we going to have one metaverse or, or competing metaverses part of this is also because there's so much money involved mm -hmm. in you know, potentially winning here, right? Like, so you've got Meta, you've got Google, you've got Apple, they're all looking to build something. Um, and they, they all are acting like it's kind of a winner take all scenario, right? And uh, I think the internet is probably the last time that the, you know, the geeks of the world gave all of humanity something, uh, you know, without a price tag attached to it, because now everybody knows how much money there is to be made. Right. And so everybody's competing and kind of building these things that are almost like walled garden experiences. They're looking to like own the next metaverse platform, um, looking to kind of, kind of, kind of win in that race. Personally, I think it's going to be a little bit like we've seen with uh, mobile phone platforms. Mm. Like there's lots of them that sprung up, but then things settle down to one or two major platforms. And then of course you've got to talk about, you know, what's, how do you do interoperability between Metaverses. I definitely don't want to want, don't want to say that uh, Neil Stevenson's wrong because I'm a huge <laughs> fan of his and, and uh, Snow Crash, uh, awesome book as I was growing up reading that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but, I think I think in many ways we could have competing metaverses. Yeah. Well, and and the the idea of the money to be made is really fascinating to me because the jury's still out in a sense on whether there is a lot of money to be made. You know, we ran a headline that uh, ended up being a pretty viral story months and months ago. Uh, when things were kind of peaking and frothy and people were buying digital land. And the headline was, someone just paid $450,000 to be Snoop Dogg's neighbor in the metaverse. <laughs> so it was either in Sandbox or Decentraland, one of those two, you know, blockchain-based metaverse worlds. And I thought, that looks like dumb money to me. Yeah. You know, is that is that really going to be valuable in, in 10 years? Maybe I'll be wrong. Well, especially I since there's like little... multiple, multiple virtual worlds that you could do that in, right? Like there, oh, there's, there's like the, seven apps where you can buy virtual, you know, virtual real estate. It just, it just, and, and a big question is, is that 450 actual thousand dollars of, of real money? Or is that other tokens that somebody got from somewhere that appreciated and inflated over time in, in, in what some people would, would argue is a bit of a crypto scam? Uh, you know, is that real money or not? And, and so that's, that's part of the question. The other thing is, uh, next to Snoop Dogg in a virtual world, what does next to actually mean? Like, are there going to be rules in the metaverse about how the physics of the place operate? Can I, 
can I buy a tiny plot of land next to Snoop Dogg, but, you know, make it like uh, the TARDIS in Doctor Who? So when you go into it, it's actually much bigger than 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 it first appeared to be. What are the rules right. of these virtual spaces that well, would and, make an investment like that valuable? And I'm picturing The Sims, like, if I'm Snoop, I don't want some random person to just be able to come over all the time when I'm hanging in my metaverse house. But, you know, even as we discuss these things, it, it just sounds kind of silly to me. And I'm not saying that for the entire metaverse, but I will say... Um, I, as it currently stands, am not very interested in hanging out in these realms, you know? So something's going to have to change UX-wise dramatically to appeal to me, to get me to either sign into one of these realms or strap on the headphones, whatever it is, the goggles. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of people would say that, that this is waiting for its Apple moment, right? Like people keep saying, when, when are the Apple goggles coming out? When are the Apple goggles coming out? Because every time Apple has moved into a, a, a space, They've released something that is that is new, innovative, changes the rules around how you interact with that, right? Like the the iPhone uh, wasn't wasn't just uh, an iPod and a and a browser slapped together. It was it was something entirely new. The Apple UI guidelines for how you write an app on iOS were actually formative for anyone who was building any kind of app. And so, like I would argue that that one of the things that that we are waiting for and, and that will be significantly formative is when, if and when, an Apple headset comes out and all of the associated guidance that they give with that, because they never produce something unless it's actually useful, usable, it's, it's you know, it, it's moving the paradigm forward. Yeah. Do you do you think that the the metaverse, in order to become, you know, instead of just wearing the goggles, do you think that like it, it needs to feel more you know, more like than just a game. So do you, we need to have the haptics and the, the feedbacks and maybe even smells and things like that? Or is that just, you're just adding layers to something that, that maybe people don't want anyway, because they don't want to feel like they're trapped. Like in, in snow crash, for example, like people started having full body suits and, you know, ready player one, that guy had like, you know, all of the latest things, or is it just that like people just don't want, might not want to do that. I mean, we all remember second life, right? Like that was totally. kind of, yeah. And like, it was cool for a while and then people start, and then you're like, well, now you can fly and now you can have unicorn wings and I'll, I'll keep it safe for work. But other things that, that happened too, that sort of just well, put the death knell on it. I mean, Keith, these, these are the, the key questions. It's really about who are your constituents, right? It's case by case. Some people who are gamers, whose interest in the metaverse is gaming, which the sort of birth of the new metaverse is leading with gaming. Right. I suspect they would want all the things. A chair that has feedback and rumbles, you know, just like when you're playing a console game. I'm dating myself, but, you know, I remember when Rumble Pad was a new thing and the thing would shake. Mm -hmm. um, maybe it's haptic gloves. Maybe it's the headset. But then there's regular folks. And if I'm the, the regular folk type, what's going to bring me in? I don't want to do all that gaming stuff. There has to be some kind of cool draw. And I, I think Neil put it well in our interview. He said he really doesn't think the future is going to involve goggles. Now, that's not to say there isn't a market for some folks to buy that headset. You know, uh, Mike, you mentioned the Apple headset, which is highly anticipated. I'm not super bullish on it because Oculus hasn't, you know, gone mainstream. None of those things have gone mainstream, but there are going to need to be multiple experiences, right? Uh, Keith, you, you mentioned Half-Life. I think of even Animal Crossing, which is a lot more recent. That to me was a metaverse experience. I mean, people were doing all these cool things. Time was moving differently. I remember a great story at the peak of the pandemic where someone in the new Animal Crossing had established like 
a Federal Reserve Bank <laughs> of Animal Crossing. And it was giving out, you know, it was adjusting the inflation rate. I thought that was genius. That to me is a, a, a metaverse realm. And that would be more interesting to me than strapping on the headset and flying or having lasers and samurai swords. Yeah, I think my, I think, go ahead, go ahead. And then I'm going to make a joke about Animal Crossing. The, the use cases, um, I think they're actually going to be driven by the commercial and industrial world because there, there's there's a utility to it, right? Like if I can walk around a manufacturing plant uh, with augmented reality glasses and see little green check marks on everything that's working and a big flashing warning sign on something that is that is potentially become dangerous in, in, in my industrial context, that's actually really useful. And I think that's actually where kind of the Apple stuff and, and all the other um, uh, headsets are gonna go is that it, in the first case, people are going to spend thousands of dollars on these things because it reduces costs in a design or manufacturing process. And it's going to filter down from there. Part of all of this as well is the the cost of the headsets, right? Like, it, you, you know, yeah. the, the Quest is like north of uh, $400. The, the Pro versions are uh, 1500 bucks, or, you know, they've, they've reduced the price now, but it's still $1,000. That's a lot for, for anyone to pay. Um, and if you think about it kind of, uh, these things are sort of gaming consoles that you stick on your face. Um, that's, that's a lot of money to, to choose to spend on, um, a, you know, a gaming thing that, that blocks you off from the, the rest of the, the, the household. Yeah. I, I like how it, it, it became, uh, a thing where it was valuable for work in, in, in manufacturing. And, and I'm going to give you an example of, of training. I was at a trade show last year and they were, this company was using software that could actually teach you how to do something via, you know, you put on the headset and then you're watching it uh, and then you can build something. And then after you watch sort of where to put the pieces, they're like, okay, now do it again. And it was like, boom, boom, boom. And I could actually assemble something really quickly as an example of how to use it for training. I, I think the mistake that a lot of people made is by calling it the industrial metaverse, like as it's, as if it's something that's connected to this other thing, they should have just called it the workiverse or the, the, which is a horrible, horrible idea, but um, you know, sort of, like not connected to this goofy VR world of Mark Zuckerberg's. Cause I think also the big mistake they made was then trying to say that people were going to use these for conference calls and, and video meetings. Like, and, why would they, oh, why would it be more appealing to do the call as your, you know, cartoonish yeah. avatar? Wasn't there even a meta ad briefly that he said, watch this, or it was a video on social and he entered a meeting room and someone was a whale and someone else was like an alien. Oh. <laughs> okay. I mean, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I think I, I will say, though, you, you know, there is research that says us like interacting with each other on 2D displays actually requires a ton of effort on the part of the human brain to like interpret um, a picture of somebody as a person and then to interact with them. So, you know, we all talk about Zoom fatigue because yeah. we're on Zoom all day and, and all that kind of stuff. There's actually physiological effects of that. And, it, you know, potentially, there are times when maybe you can take a break from that and, and do some sort of a VR meeting. Um, I've done a few VR meetings. Like I would say it's very early days, clunky, the headsets are too heavy, you know, all of that kind of stuff. It's kind of early adopter problems, but I could see it being useful, you know, to, to, to be able to make that connection with my colleagues. Uh, the, ThoughtWorks, the company I work for, we're a highly kind of socially connected organization. And I would say like the pandemic hurt us in our connections mm -hmm. to one another. 
um, because we were so used to, you know, um, being able to spend in-person time and do all of the, the things kind of between the meeting that, that are important. I guess there's a question as to whether these virtual conference tools will enable any of those kinds of things, like the conversation at the water cooler or the bar after the main meeting or whatever, because certainly with Zoom, when the meeting finishes, everybody's like happy to log off and, oh, and yeah. be done for the day. Oh, yeah. Whenever I have a Zoom meeting, I'm like, uh, and, it, and it's done. I'm like, oh, I can, I can breathe again or, you know, or scratch my head and things like that or or not worry that my dogs are going to start barking and, and destroying the meeting. Um, I want to get back to another question about the why why did these companies decide that we needed a metaverse or we needed the future of the internet like why couldn't we just take the existing internet and just add to it and just still call it the internet is it just because of money well, i think first of all there was like a frenzied land grab you know it felt to me like there was a moment and i'd already say it's passing that is not to say it's dead but the era of those big centralized tech giants doing a land grab uh, it's sort of had its moment, and that's why we're seeing Meta back away. Although I also don't think they're completely backing away. I mean, they have to throw a little bit of good money after bad now because they fully committed and changed the name of the company, yeah. which was inane. <laughs> but um, I, I would chalk it up to like you know a, a, a FOMO moment, which is also what happened with crypto. You know, in the pandemic, we saw crypto go nuts because suddenly um, the retail investor revolution had happened. You know, the GameStop stuff on Reddit. All of this was related to me. There was, you know, a two-year period where money went mad and people started looking for alternate investments. And I think that's when these companies caught the bug of, well, we've already got the the Web One internet. What's the next thing? And we know they're always trying to, um, you know, skate to where the puck will be instead of where it is right now. Although in Meta's case, I think it did a very poor job of it. They're, they're, yeah, uh, they're now, chasing now they're the chasing puck. AI. Yeah. I mean, they're they're doing the exact yeah. same thing with AI that I think they did with the metaverse. Well, it does feel like it, like even even the chat GPT and AI stuff now is is that's the next big thing that everyone's all chasing. Um, but Mike, Maybe. Mike, you were saying that like could this actually then sort of be integrated into a metaversian? Oh, I just can't believe I used that word. Um, concept could you could you take the, the some of these AI tools and then go? Oh, this is what we needed all along, and this is what's going to make the metaverse finally happen. Because like, I know you said well, you had some thoughts on that. Yeah, I do. I, I think there's a couple of things happening. First of all, let's not underestimate Meta's, uh, you know, tens of billions of dollars invested in virtual and augmented reality tech. Uh, I, there was an interview last year where Reed Hastings, who's the CEO of Netflix, said everybody should be saying thank you to Mark Zuckerberg for the investment that he's made in VR tech and driving it forward. Because this is serious engineering, right? Like, and it actually takes time, you know, you, to, to produce stuff that you can strap onto your face comfortably and, and that is doing the right things with the optics mm -hmm. is significant engineering investment. Um, so I, I think it's important to, to acknowledge how far some of these things have come in terms of like increasing uh, uh, pixel density on the displays, uh, lightweight, um, uh, you know, lightweight overall headsets, um, increasing graphics fidelity, all of those kinds of things. Uh, but if you think about um, the AI revolution that seems to be happening, which is great because everybody has been worried that there's going to be an AI winter. And I think, uh, you know, as of as of December, January, we've decided there's no AI winter. Yeah. Um, actually, artificial general intelligence is coming, which I don't believe. But, you know, um, this stuff is this stuff is genuinely amazing and a significant leap forwards. And um, some of the stuff you can do with uh, giving a prompt 
getting an image generated, uh, there's now tech that you can use that goes beyond that. So you can give a prompt, get a 2D image, uh, and then extrapolate to actually a 3D environment. It's not a particularly good one. It's kind of low fidelity and there's some, there's some problems with it. But it is amazing that you can now use generative AI to make a 3D scene based on a prompt. Okay. So that kind of thing could help us generate a lot of the content that we need for the metaverse to be compelling. Because that comes back to the question of like, why would I spend hours in, you know, with with the stuff strapped to my face? I've it's got to be compelling content. I've got to be either, you know, doing a job, doing my doing my work and being mm. being productive, or I've got to be getting serious entertainment value from it. And real quick, I think Mike's on to something that, you know, with with the comment earlier about industrial use or touring a factory and that kind of thing, it's very unsexy, isn't it? It's very dry. But if we're being realistic, that's probably what will be the biggest area. You know, we're, we're focusing too much, but everyone does it. When you talk about the metaverse on regular folks, individuals, consumers, it's going to be like for work purposes, or I'd make it even worse, or in my mind, even worse, uh, corporate. It'll be like corporate use cases, uh, so maybe you and your friends won't end up jumping in there and that's okay. It can become a, a high value uh, outlet for corporate purposes without uh, you needing to meet up with all your friends in, in a virtual bar. <laughs> and I think like if you if you think about the other thing that's happening here, which is the evolution of like human machine interaction. Right. So we've been talking about like the visual stuff. So, so strapping goggles on and being in a, in a visual space, but there's a lot of other interaction mechanisms that are also evolving. So, um, speech recognition has gotten really, really good. Yeah. Um, natural language processing. These, you know, the, the chat GPT talks just like a, a real person actually talks like a little bit too convincingly like that, that friend of yours who knows everything about everything. That's kind of how chat GPT appears to me, <laughs> but there's also things like haptics, right? Like, so, you yeah. know, touch and, and gesture recognition. Uh, we've done some work with an auto manufacturer who is looking to use haptics in the car so that rather than actually touching you know, a knob on the dashboard to change the volume, you just kind of hold your hand up and make a gesture in the right spot on the dash and that's changing the volume. And when you do that kind of research, you can also like look at somebody's eyeballs and figure out how much time are they spending looking at the road while using this new style of interaction that we're trying to create for them. So if you broaden the whole thing out to human machine interaction, there's actually that could be very relevant to everybody. Yeah. And and Mike, something that you brought up in terms of adding the the prompts to the sort of the metaverse and or the the or like the VR stuff that got me thinking is like, does that mean we could actually get closer to this idea of the holodeck from Star Trek where you could go into a room with your headset on and then say generate a, a, a castle uh, put a throne over to the left um, you know build some 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 knights over to the right and then all of a sudden boom it happens because it's your again you're generating content ideas and then it having it show up in a virtual world it's a lot easier to do that than sort of like either draw something that's going to be a well it may might it might not be as easy as a 2d image um, but could that then that's almost like an early holodeck I'm starting to think is that that's fantastic. I think you, you, how do you patent that? You, could you, you give me to, like, you uh, go do that, all right, that's I only need yeah. 50 billion. <laughs> how much money should I ask? Like, maybe that's what Zuckerberg should do. Like, I never understood why they wanted to buy Oculus in the first place, but you do make, oh, a, they didn't know what to do with it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, well, I think, I think, I think I, I, I gotta say, I think ready player one gives us some clues here, right? Like, so if you follow the money on why did Facebook rebrand to meta 
and what it, what have they been trying to do? Um, if you listen to their earnings calls, they're actually like unhappy with Apple for the restrictions that Apple have put into iOS, which like inhibits their ability to uh, mine people's data and advertise to them. Right. So that is actually like slowing down um, Facebook's revenue stream. And what they wanted to do with all of this uh, metaverse stuff is build that next platform for connecting people and being a social platform. So they wanted to, you know, they wanted to um, control that. And actually, in one of their early releases, uh, they had the, they put in um, the ability to pay creators, you know, so people could like sell stuff on the on the platform. Uh, and their cut was 50%. Right, like, and they're complaining about the Apple Store, right? I'm I'm like, okay, your cut is 50% and you're trying to own the next uh, platform here for for human interaction. Could you be a little bit more subtle about (laughs) this, right? Like I'm immediately reminded of the bad guy in Ready Player One where he's saying, you know, we think we can sell 70% of a user's visual uh, uh, screen without inducing seizures, you know? And I'm like, this this seems awfully familiar to me. Yeah, does that mean like, you know, could could we get a different, like either uh, a tech evangelist or some other celebrity that's not Mark Zuckerberg or not sort of the the Facebook face to sort of maybe kind of kickstart it and or boost it or and again I don't I'm not suggesting you know Elon Musk or anybody like that but it should be Keanu <laughs> yeah well he tried that with yeah and and didn't he didn't he invest in Cyberpunk 2077 and then that just tanked right that game something yeah he yeah. did a great AMA recently talking about. Um, basically everything uh, on Reddit, but someone asked if the Matrix is real. And he said, <laughs> yes, no, yes. <laughs> but I mean, it, it's funny, you guys, you talked about the holodeck. I mean, I, I think of Minority Report, which um, was a movie that has really stuck with me over the years. I always go back to it. And there's a scene where um, he, he's been given new eyeballs and he walks into the gap and it says, Mr. Yamamoto, welcome back. How did those V-neck t-shirts work out? And, you know, we're sort of basically there because of those Amazon ghost stores where you can just walk in, get your stuff and walk out because it finds your phone somehow and scans it. And that's it. No checkout. And I don't know that that's metaversy, but it's not not metaversy. You know, it's I mean, all these things are sort of interconnected. The idea I mean, I use clear at the airport. I don't care. Privacy wise, the convenience is very worth it. Yeah. You scan your eyes. Boom. you, You skip everyone. And all these things I feel like are converging. Uh, if they create conveniences in our lives, yeah, and, and, well, and I think like, that's something that we didn't talk about, which is which is the data and privacy and potential downsides here, right? Like because you know it's it's one thing to to track everything I click on on the internet with like you know cookie tracking and stuff like that. It's a whole level of of, of difference in intimacy if you're tracking my eyeballs through a 3D experience and figuring out what am I looking at? What's what's actually interesting to me? Like what's what's my facial expression while I'm using one of these metaverse experiences? Uh, so I think there is a, a, a topic of conversation there about how do we mm. protect people from companies misusing their data? How do we inform people properly? You know, that whole thing is is a can of worms and, and certainly hasn't been solved yet. Yeah, the, the, and, and what I say is, you know, it's too late to put the privacy toothpaste back in the tube. You know, unpopular opinion, but if it makes my daily life easier, uh, all good. I'll sign up for whatever. I mean, at this point, Google and Apple already know every single thing about me. It's way too late to try to have privacy online. But but have you know? Do they know whether or not you're going to commit a crime in the future? Like, do, right, they, right. They haven't figured that out yet, right? I hope. 
Um, the data privacy thing is always it was always fascinating to me too because um, I was all in on the idea of sort of chip implants in my head. Because uh, again, that was like early cyberpunk too. It was like you would have like a, an audio jack, and you just kind of plug it in your head or plug it in the back, kind of like what the matrix or matrix did. And then you would be you would be able to access all the information out in the world and and get all this stuff. And as a as a teenager, when I'm reading this stuff, I'm like, that is so cool. I I really really want that. But then the other day, so you know, so now 30 years later, someone asked me that, and I was like. No, <laughs> I don't think I want a chip in my brain or my or even in my wrist or anything like that because because again I just don't want the the, the other people out there to, to to know that kind of stuff about me. Um, but I do think Keanu would would make a great kind of spokesman for the metaverse and maybe this holodeck idea. Is, you know, should I should I contact him and and see what we're gonna get out of there? Anybody know him? No. <laughs> um, I hear he's a really nice guy. Yeah. Um, in terms of the uh, Dan, in terms of the currency sort of aspect to mm. it, um, did did a lot of the stuff that's been going on with crypto and NFTs? Did like because it's always it always feels like there's bad news on that front. Um, does sure. that slow Lately. down sort of the adoption and the enthusiasm around it? So it's interesting. I mean, it it depends on whom you ask. I, I recently came back from NFT Paris, um, and it was an incredible conference. I mean, they had. 10,000 people in this huge building facing the Eiffel Tower. You, you could not have walked around this event and felt like crypto and NFTs are dead. It did not feel like a bear market conference. Mm -hmm. um, and the key, and, and Mike was onto something earlier with the idea of you know companies getting in, uh, tons of big consumer brands and luxury brands were on hand. And they've gone from just rhetoric to actual launches of things. You know, they're doing NFT drops, they're offering um, digital items that are tied to physical items. And I think there's definitely something there uh, where Metaverse comes into it is, you know, everyone is used to the idea of in-game items, whether it's a skin, a sword, a weapon, an accessory, a hat, whatever. And so, you know, why is it such a leap for so many gamers to understand the idea of NFTs? I mean, just stop using the acronym NFT if that's the toxic part. But all we're talking about is the next evolution of in-game digital items, but recorded on blockchain so that there's permanence there, there's provenance. So I do think there's something there. Now, um, I keep going back to my Neil chat, but there was another interesting thing he said, which is, you know, he's he's a fan of the open metaverse. Same with um, Yatsiu is a huge metaverse investor from Animoca Brands, another big figure in this space. They all say, we want an open metaverse, not the closed walled gardens of Facebook and others. Yeah. Of course, Zuckerberg would say, oh, we're not trying to do closed metaverse. Uh-huh. But <laughs> that's not to say there won't continue to be games that have their own realm because no one is saying that you should be able to like bring an item from some game that has a totally different visual aesthetic into another game. I mean, that's why game designers build these beautiful worlds. No one's, I, I think no one is trying to ruin those, but there is gonna be an interoperable future that involves items that you can take from place to place. And I think those will be NFTs. And, and will that just be the currency then as, as well? Or is it is it something other than just the currency? Well, I also think, you know, we're gonna get away from this jargon. Like what people should understand, yeah. NFTs are just tokens just like Ethereum and other cryptocurrencies are tokens. Now, the difference with a non-fungible is each one is unique and different, but I think we're just going to call everything a token. So there will be some places where the currency is an actual well-known cryptocurrency. Maybe it's ETH and you have to pay an ETH. That's a token. Maybe it's having a certain NFT. That's a token as a member pass. You know, you can only get into this space 
uh, I interviewed at, at NFT Paris, the Web3 lead at uh, Playboy. They're going to launch a digital Playboy mansion, which I think is genius. They're calling it the Meta Mansion. <laughs> and it'll be open to all. But if you own Playboy's separate NFT, then you get special access into another area of the Meta Mansion. I think we're going to see more um, use cases like that. And I think the NFTs with utility, like you just said, hey, if you if you have this NFT, if you own this NFT, you can get access to this thing. And, you know, these days we're even seeing that with, uh, you know, Discord memberships, for example, or, you know, early access to to creators content and, and stuff like that. I think that's that's like a reasonable use of NFTs. The downside comes when people go, I'm going to buy the Playboy NFT because I think they're only going to issue 10,000 of them and it's going to go up in value and I'm speculating and it becomes And that's this what has whole, happened. Yeah, exactly. Now. That's right. exactly that's what's what happened. Right? Away from. Yeah. And that's when it's not a good look, right? And starts to bring you back to kind of the sour downsides of that. I also think though that um, Metaverse Interop is not, it's not clear where we're going to land with that. Because again, back to the gaming example, if uh, Blizzard created a metaverse with multiple experiences in it that I could move between using, you know, Blizzard created assets and all that kind of stuff, but I couldn't go anywhere other than the Blizzard metaverse. I actually think a lot of gamers would be like, I really like Blizzard properties. There's plenty of stuff for me to do there. I'm happy within this, you know, this walled garden metaverse that that is that is just that one. If you look to China, um, the consortia there are creating kind of private blockchains between, you know, three or four fairly large companies and then doing interop that way. So it's not fully open, fully public, um, but you're starting to see some of it. So I don't know where that's going to go. It's also going to be this, this, uh, people petitioning for and working for open standards versus the big money, uh, you know, companies who are, who are secretly, not so secretly, trying to create wall gardens for themselves. Yeah, I, I still don't get the idea of this metaverse in terms of the separate worlds that then could connect you and why why a user would necessarily need or want to go from one universe to the other. So like if I'm in, you know, I've got a character in Fortnite, for example, and I've got a bunch of the Marvel skins and, and all those things. Um, but if I wanted to go then move to Diablo, where I've got another character or Roblox or anything like that, like why do I need to, why do, I mean, other than I would have to recreate that avatar or that or that character like it would be nice to just take that and then sort of transfer it over i get the same name i get the same skills or i don't know that, well, that's what and, that, and, and then and then go to school with the same kind of look and feel the irony is as i understand it, and i'm not a gamer those are the few examples of worlds that are um looser and don't have as much of a unified aesthetic in other words the fact that you can have a Fortnite team with IP from all these different franchises. Yeah. You know, you can have Iron Man playing with um, a Smurf. Right. Uh, I don't know if you can have a Smurf, but so I hear. <laughs> yeah, I know Those you can have ones. Iron Man. I haven't seen the Smurf ones yet. But. Right. Like Minecraft, Roblox, and Fortnite, I think are games where they don't appear to care as much about, you know, as opposed to, I mentioned Animal Crossing before, that has a beautiful, very distinct look. And right. if you you know, paraded into the Animal Crossing world as Iron Man. It would be ridiculous. So I think some are already well-suited to allowing um, porousness more than other games are. Okay. And I wanted to bring up one other thing, because this is when you talked about the whole walking into the Amazon ghost store, that made me think of, um, there was that movie, uh, did you guys see Free Guy? 
where it was sort of a, an in-game universe. It was Ryan Reynolds, but again, same kind of thing. He's walking around with the glasses on, and he's being able to pick up different things in the world and then activated superpowers and things like that. That's another sort of image that is always on this augmented reality side. Um, do you think maybe augmented reality with the right equipment might might have a better shot than the, sort of the, the full-on bodysuit VR world? Dan, you're well, smiling. Think- I'm going to ask you first. Well, just real quick, as soon as people mention AR, to me, and maybe this will be the rest of my life, I think of the Snapchat hot dog. Do you guys remember briefly when Snapchat was was hot back in the day, although as, as I hear it's come back now with, with the kids, but uh, Snapchat rolled out a dancing hot dog and it was AR. So you could point your phone at something and then make a video and the hot dog would be dancing on your desk or dancing on your computer or uh-huh. on someone's face. And um, there was an earnings call where Snapchat was touting like how its usage had gone up, its daily actives, because people were excited about the AR hot dog. Then it stock tanked because it did a lot wrong. <laughs> but I still think I, I haven't yet seen, maybe Yelp is an exception. Yelp uh, briefly had an AR feature, or maybe it still does, where you're trying to figure out where a certain restaurant is and it shows you on the map and it pops up and it looks a little different than just Google Maps. But for the most part, uh, I'm a real skeptic on, on you know actual uses in my daily life of AR and VR. Yeah, I, and, and Mike, I'm going to get to you in a second. I think the, the AR usage use case for me that would be wonderful would be as if I'm in a city and I'm in my hotel and I'm in a city I haven't been around before and I want to go get some tacos. And it, if I had something, and, and I don't want to use my phone, I want to have it like, you know, something that I could see in my glasses where I type in the restaurant and it gives me the walking direction with like giant arrows, virtual arrows on the ground so that I'm not walking around. Because I've tried that with my phone and I just look really stupid. And, um, and that's what Google Glass was supposed to it, do, right? Right. And then and then Robert right. Scoble ruined it all by wearing him in the shower. But, you know. <laughs> well, and, and Google Glass didn't die. It went enterprise, right? And I so know. And FedEx like equipped all of their drivers with with like enterprise Google Glass, which was helping them find packages in the back of the truck quicker. And suddenly you've got an actual, you know, again, it's a commercial use case though, right? Like it's not the consumer use case, but you could imagine that the investment that goes into making uh, AR glasses for industrial applications will eventually trickle down and us consumers would be able to get a, a lightweight enough pair of glasses. Something that I'd find incredibly useful for AR is remembering people's names. Like if my AR glasses can like facial recognition the person I'm talking to and remind me who they are, um, that would actually be really helpful in both sort of social and professional contexts. Um, if I'm in a shoe store, right, I'd actually love my AR glasses to gray out all the stuff on the wall where I where they, they don't have my shoe size. Right. Right. right, like that would be a fantastically useful use case, but the, the no, you know, we can't get that right now because because no, the hardware is too expensive to yeah. assume that someone's got it. Uh, Mike, I want to ask another question. Like, you deal with a lot of sort of corporate and enterprise clients. Are they souring on on sort of the metaverse, or are they just focusing sort of on that? possible industrial usage simulation digital twin that type of things are they or were they never even interested in that whole vr stuff anyway so i think everybody has everybody has a department of innovation where somebody should be paying attention to these kinds of things yeah so we do get a lot of queries about this kind of stuff and our advice has always been 
uh, for organizations to stay close enough to it that when and if it takes off, that they've got some experience and they understand how some of these things work. I think considering how you want to represent your brand in these new mediums is really important. So what do you want your, <laughs> do you want your brand to be next to Snoop Dogg in, in the metaverse, right? Like that's a, that's a question for you. If you're building a chatbot, what kind of what kind of chatbot is it? What is what's the voice like? Is yeah. it is it friendly or formal? You know, like what what kinds of is is it male or female? You know, like wh how does it present itself? Uh, so, like thinking about what your brand does when it comes to this new interaction tech, that's kind of a lot of the stuff that that we advise clients on. And the general advice is to stay close enough that. That it, it's still wait and see, mm -hmm. but don't don't get surprised by it. Um, but probably also don't go out and hire a bunch of Unity developers right now because um, it's a bit early for that. Right. And 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 Dan, kind of final question: uh, Where do, do you see sort of this happening with, in the future within the next couple of years? I mean, is it gonna is it is it sort of that whole uh, Gartner curve of innovation where we're now in that little trough of disillusionment, and then someone will figure out a good way to, and we'll we'll be still talking about this in a couple of years. Yeah, it's man, it's really hard to see the future, but I remember interviewing someone years ago about Oculus and they were acknowledging that all previous um, VR headsets hadn't really worked and here's why. Uh, and it still definitely hasn't gone mainstream and it was supposed to go mainstream long ago, but they said it will, it will. And that was about Oculus. And I haven't seen the sales numbers. I know there are people who enjoy it. I, I went to a party maybe two years ago, someone had one and we all played around with it, but just anecdotally, it, it seems fair to me to say that it still ain't mainstream, you yeah. know, far from it. Now, that's just specifically the headset. So when you talk about the next five, 10 years, I really don't know. I'm a skeptic, but I think people will continue building because so much money has been put in uh, that, you know, you can't just abandon it just because it hasn't caught on overnight. Right. Um, but I think Mike was onto something that it's going to be companies that drive this, which again is sort of uh, boring and unsexy and disappointing <laughs> to say. But um, there are going to be use cases that maybe pop up that are more like B2B and enterprisey and behind the scenes uh, to the point where probably in 10 years someone could say exactly what I'm saying. Of, eh, seems like it's not mainstream, but actually they just don't realize that there are lots of corporations really using it and spending on it. Right, right. So, yeah, innovative technologies are cool until the corporations get to it, and then they make the money off of it, but it's really boring. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. All right, guys, uh, I, we, that's all the time we've got. So uh, thanks thanks again for, for joining us on the show. Uh, great topic, and, and I can't wait to talk to you guys about it again sometime. Thanks, Keith. Thanks. All right. And uh, also, don't forget to like this video, subscribe to our channel, and add any comments that you have below. Join us every week for new episodes of Today in Tech. Have a great day, and we'll see you next time.